1: So, thank you very much. Go check out the site, strengthguild.com. Scroll down to Iron Radio Collections and support the show. Welcome, Iron Radio listeners. This
0: is Lonnie Lowry. I'm an exercise physiologist, uh, I'm a sports nutritionist, and I'm
1: a former competitive bodybuilder. Hey, this is Phil Stevens, strength coach, owner of Strength Guild, um, Highland Games athlete, powerlifter, all of the above.
2: Hey, this is Dr. Mike J. Nelson. Creator the Flex Diet certification, a faculty member at the Kerrigan Institute, and uh, yeah, a bunch of other stuff. Still at home.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's a record. Oh, this like is in my the last, like, record. five years.
1: Yeah, big time record.
2: Oh so. yeah, I'm actually trying to figure out what's going on with my nervous system now because the last two weeks I've just my HRV is just crap. I haven't exercised all that much, and I can't. Mm. I don't know if it's just complete lack of stimulation like i feel perfectly fine i don't have any cold symptoms i don't have a sore throat i don't have any of that stuff at all other than i could sleep for like 11 hours a night
1: yeah. <laughs> you've probably become allergic to your house because you're never in it
2: that i think so... be something like that like <laughs> too much computer work like too many yeah because so i pretty much got <sighs> freaked out said yes to everything and i've had one day off since march 1st so <sighs> that might be related to that
0: <laughs> Yup. Uh, okay, everybody, we are going to have an episode of, I was sort of tongue-in-cheek calling it the Highlander episode. There can be only one. So if uh, you could have only one exercise, one food, or one lifestyle tweak to make someone look like a bodybuilder. Let's say for the next six months. What would that be? So if you want to skip the news, I hope you don't, but if you want to skip the news and go to the second half of the show, that's how you would do it. Uh, and you could figure out our our single best choice for exercise, food item, and lifestyle tweak to get someone to look like a bodybuilder. So, on to the science news. I'm going to get this one out of the way first. Strength and Muscle Sport News. Uh, I had mentioned something on YouTube. We did, actually, I did a pilot episode on YouTube, a video called Iron Radio Partial Rep, and I just wanted to see how it worked. And the camera was bouncing around and stuff, but I wanted to just kind of get my feet wet with that stuff. Uh, And I was talking about different hormones and how they might affect COVID risk. And, you know, there's always the caveat, of course, not just that it's not medical advice, but when it comes to COVID-19, there's constantly new data coming out. So one of the things that a listener sent in, and we covered it on the audio podcast too, was... Low testosterone put men at higher risk of having that cytokine storm and the, you know, pneumonia and the inflammation in their lungs. Um, But on the flip side, men are at higher risk. So on one side, it looks like low T is bad. On the other side, it looks like having testosterone around by being a male um, is bad. So is it low T is bad or testosterone is the flip side is is actually a risk. So this is a very balanced paper that I just wanted to share and sort of clarify. This is so new. It's not even July yet. This is a July issue of metabolism. So top-tier journal, uh, Pozzilli and Lenzi. It's sort of a commentary here. Um, It's called testosterone, a key hormone in the context of COVID-19 pandemic. And I'm sharing this partly because testosterone is well sex hormones period they're obviously a focus of what a lot of weight and bodybuilders and powerlifters think about so it says daily data show that entire population with SARS-CoV-2 is 58 percent made of males so we know that the higher risk of males uh, the difference in the number of cases reported by gender increases progressively in favor of male subjects up into the age group of 60 to 69, where it's basically 67 percent of of men in their 60s, and in the 70 to 79 age range, in which it's 66 percent. So basically, yeah, you're talking damn near 70 percent guys once you're old, right? Once you're over 60. And I say that with respect to any of our listeners that are over 60. Uh, We're all going to be there, and some of us sooner than others. Um, It says, further, the higher lethality, death rates, right, is in favor of male subjects in all age groups. Deaths among 30 to 39-year-olds are 82% men. Wow. 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 Um, Of 40 to 49-year-olds, it's 73% men. Of 50 to 59-year-olds, it's 78.5% men. Uh, Among people in their 60s, it's 79.7% males, and um, older than that, it's just real bad, too. So, you know, (laughs) I I don't want to just keep reading all these numbers, but essentially, you know, you're talking about numbers uh, 70 to 80% guys as far as the death, so it's more lethal to men. So this begs the question, right, because the uh, article we were discussing from the Daily Mail in the UK a a little while ago uh, sent by a listener basically said low T is bad. Well, so this kind of suggests that lots of T might also be bad. So do you just want to be in that sweet spot range, right? Because let's face it, there's lots of bodybuilders and powerlifters that are in the very high testosterone range, even super physiologic range. And that might actually be bad. So when we talk about elevating up out of baseline, above hypogonadal, that's one thing. But jacking it off the charts might backfire on you. That's kind of where I'm at as I read these. This is only one article I have of several. Let me give you some quotes here. It's well established that plasma testosterone concentration is reduced uh, by age and by comorbidities like obesity, diabetes, diabetes and obstructive sleep apnea. All these comorbidities are also highly prevalent in COVID-19 patients. It says low testosterone levels can cause a reduction of respiratory muscle activity and overall strength and exercise capacity. Whilst normal circulating testosterone shows a protective effect on several respiratory outcomes. Okay. So this first bit I'm, I'm showing you of course is pro T like T is good. Um, Reduction of cytokine activity, again, those inflammatory mediators in the body that you don't running, what running wild on you. Reduction of cytokine activity and or their receptors can be useful for treatment. Uh, in this context, testosterone may downregulate inflammation. So in other words, again, testosterone, good. As a matter of fact, several studies carried out both in animals and in humans showed that hypogonadism, so if you don't have enough tea is associated with increased pro-inflammatory cytokines and that testosterone treatment itself will reduce interleukin-1-beta, interleukin-6, TNF-alpha. So all of these are examples of pro-inflammatory cytokines and testosterone treatment reduces them. So this also looks good. T sounds good here. Furthermore, the association between an increase in pro-inflammatory state and a decline in testosterone is often observed in aging men. So again, they get more inflamed sort of on a systemic level as their T levels fall and they age. So a lot of this stuff, again, I told you this is going to be balanced. That all suggests that testosterone is good. Having enough testosterone and even testosterone treatment can lower these inflammatory cytokines. Now, part two. Is high testosterone a promoter of COVID 19 infection? Now, this gets real chewy, and I'm only going to try to, you know, select parts of this. I know that's dangerous. Um, as opposed to what is mentioned earlier, the authors say, stands the testosterone driven COVID 19 theory. This is based on the androgen receptor activation and the transcription of this TMPRSS2. Not kidding transmembrane protease serine 2. Um, so there's a lot of mechanisms behind this, but if I just give you some pull quotes, it says the testosterone connection with this could explain the COVID-19 positivity in those few young males with severe COVID-19 infections. So the it says the use of TMPRSS2 inhibitors, and again, consider this as a mechanism-affected by testosterone Uh, so inhibiting this um, they're currently used by the way for prostate cancer represents an appealing target for the prevention or treatment of COVID-19 pneumonia studies are required to validate this hypothesis however and to evaluate the therapeutic and prophylactic potential of drugs that temporarily target androgen activity such as androgen receptor inhibitors that doesn't sound good to me but androgen receptor inhibitors, uh, steroidogenesis inhibitors, and 5-alpha-reductase inhibitors. So there is this theory that testosterone is the reason men get so sick. But at the same time, there's evidence there that low T is going to put you at greater risk of like a cytokine storm. So what I'm taking from this is get your T levels checked. And this is actually what we said on that little like pilot video that I did get your T levels checked, get it elevated above hypogonadal. But here, this is suggesting real high T levels could put men at uh, additional risk, and we just need studies to know. So the testosterone question and this lopsided you know, severity in men, it's really hard to tease apart, right? Low T is bad. Sounds like high T is bad. What I'm going to do, my personal choice is, Get my tea checked to make sure it's in a a decent normal range, right? Like mid-scale, probably going to do pretty good. I don't think right now would be the time if you're interested in, you know, (laughs) uh, pharmacological doses of tea. I don't know if I would be thinking about that right now if you're concerned about, again, even some of these young guys are suggesting. The ones that are hit hard maybe are the ones that are real high tea. So... It's a mix. It's a messy, mixed business, and I just want everybody to be clear on that, that we don't know yet except that it sounds like don't be hypogonadal. But again, if you're high T, that could put you at risk too. So I don't know. Well, moderation in all things maybe here. But that's all I have, Mike. I know you've got some um, stuff as far as gadgets that might appeal to fitness-minded folks.
2: Yeah, so <clears> – <throat> couple interesting ones here uh, from Lab roots called Don't Sweat It, New Tech Monitors Health with a Single Drop of Sweat. Um, I know in the past I've gone to the, most of the time, University of Minnesota, their Center for Biomedical Engineering has the Design and Medical Devices Conference. Uh, I didn't go this past year, but I usually go pretty much every year. I used to work in the medical device industry for a while. Um, So once in a while, it would be more medical, but you'd see interesting stuff. Uh, Like Roger was there initially with the MOXIE sensor probably six or seven years ago now, a sensor looking at muscle oxygenation levels. And a couple of years ago, there was some people there looking at uh, this area, which is called microfluidics, using kind of different uh, MEMS technology, these really tiny, tiny little etched things to try to... um, Get more information out with also not all the time having a huge power source. So A lot of times you're trying to make a wearable device, you know, how long it's going to last, power source, all that kind of stuff becomes an issue. So what they're looking at here looks like they're using that based on a recent study that was published in the journal, Microfluidics, addressing the shortcomings to the wearable device industry. So it looks like a team of biomedical experts from North Carolina State University, have created a low-power gadget that uses paper to wick sweat off the user's skin and then monitor their health for up to 10 days at a time. They said, unlike other paper-based devices that shut down once it becomes saturated with liquid, the engineers here devised a microfluidics that uses a capillary action to pump sweat through, allowing it to operate for extended periods of time. And they're looking then at how it's traveling through this little device and at least patterns. They said, much like tree rings, it can tell us about the environmental fluctuations over time. These salt patterns can create a traceable health history. The deposition of salt and trace metabolites, such as lactate and cortisol, can point to conditions ranging from sepsis, uh, stress, and dehydration to hypertension. That's wild. Yeah. And... Supposedly this, they said that sweat tests have already been in existence for diseases such as cystic fibrosis, where patients usually have elevated levels of chloride in their sweat. So, yeah, pretty interesting. Uh, maybe in the future, instead of putting on a continuous glucose monitor, you can put one of these on and get ideas of things like lactate and cortisol, stress hormones. Yeah, pretty Pretty interesting. I know that there's some I'm blanket on the company right now that does a sweat analysis. They've done this a lot with uh, NFL players. But that was only really looking at electrolytes. Uh, this appears to look at, um, it, it, in theory, I guess, since they're correlating patterns, could be almost possibly any hormone, I guess. So, yeah, pretty fascinating.
0: Yeah, it sounds like they need to get really creative, like, if you... If you can't directly look in someone's blood and you want to know something about their cortisol recently, I mean salt patterns, uh like yeah. <laughs> that's really that's weird and indirect, but hey, you know what? If it strongly correlates and, you know, oh, look, it correlates like 0.88 with blood levels. Oh, okay. You know, cuz I mean yeah. then you'd you'd have another tool, you'd have a biochemistry reading that might support something like hrv for example you know stress Mm -hmm. and um that's kind of what i'm waiting for once these things become valid i'll start getting one of these um you know a fitbit type device because yeah i want like cgm some continued glucose monitoring i want some hormone concentrations i want something that's interesting like that it's not enough for me just to to get it like a, a Fitbit type device or a garment or whatever the way they are now, if that makes any sense. But if they could start giving me like a uh, real metabolite data, that'd be slick.
2: Yeah. Especially if the lactate is, and I don't know what the time course is of it. So, or how that works. Um, but I mean, lactate testing now is still relatively expensive. I mean, you know, I was looking at a new lactate tester and it's in the hundreds of dollars. And then you have to poke yourself. And then if you're the person doing it, you're limited to doing it post-exercise. And if you've ever done a 180-second Wingate test on a rover and then you're trying to poke your own finger immediately after that, that's that's not fun. Right, right. (laughs) So it would be nice to maybe slap one of these devices on, go through, do the whole thing, and do your rest period or whatever, wait for your peak of lactate and pull the thing off and analyze it and don't have to worry about drawn blood or even doing any of the actual measurement itself. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. Um, One other one here in terms of devices. Uh, This device is a new appliance, refrigerate, stores, and cooks meals. This is from the Institute of Food Technologies website. Uh, Lonnie sent this one over to me, which is great. They said, before the emergence of COVID-19, stay-at-home orders, one of the biggest complaints of busy individuals was not having time to prepare and cook meals. That's most people's complaint. So it's a new device that shows promise for solving this issue. And if you look at the picture, it kind of almost reminds me of something you would see on the on airplane where they're cooking meals, but it's got four little stainless steel slots with food in it that go into this uh, device. And it's called this, I'm going to slaughter this pronunciation, sous-vide, S-U-U-V-I-E, I think, or S-U-V-I-E, hmm. Uh There's a countertop device that does this. It's named after the French word sous right? spelled differently, which is basically just cooking food in a pouch immersed in water. So it says it has four components for each meal, a vegetable, a protein, a starch, and a sauce. And I guess each, comp- each compartment zone is independently temperature controlled, allowing each vacuum seal meal component to be refrigerated, stored, and then cooked separately. But all these things kind of go into the device at one time. So you don't have to do them one by one. You can do all of them at once. So pretty interesting. So it's fully programmable. Uh, looks like it's got an option of adding a broiler, a bunch of other stuff. And the price sells for around $1,199. Oh. And then prepackaged food and meals are sold separately.
0: So that's like a crock pot, exponential crock pot, right? Like super ultra convenient, but at a price.
2: Yeah, it's it's interesting. It's kind of a, a cool idea, but I'd be interested to see how much they're Meals cost because now you've got this $1,200 thing and I still have to buy food yeah. compared to just ordering pre-prepared food. But I don't know. Maybe you can use less preservatives or less salt or other things like that because of the way it's made and heated. And you can heat all of it at once with a push of a button. I don't know. Interesting idea.
0: Yeah. If it's like printer ink, that's what I think of, right? That the, yeah. the, the unit itself is not that costly but then you got to keep cranking out proprietary inks and whatnot and same thing with these foods yeah what if they they're not in the nutrition profile that you want like are they going to have keto (laughs) you know inserts or whatever i don't know um
2: and then i also wonder about you know is this is the the beta max of food prep and no one's going to make that format you know anymore and Okay, great. I got a twelve hundred dollar device sitting on my counter, but the company that makes the food prepackaged in each its little four little containers, yeah, they they kind of went belly up. So, <laughs>
1: mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. yeah, I, it sounds interesting to me. And but you know, like all in one, like at least in our household, we try not to buy things that do like eight different things. So, like if you get a coffee pot that grinds the beans, you know, and does all of the above, and then one part of it breaks. I feel kind of stupid. I'm like, well, it still brews coffee. I don't want to throw it away, but the grinder part's dead. You know what I mean? Or like, there's been different kind of, uh, um, I don't know, DVD or VCR back in the day, kind of products, and they did multiple things, like a stereo and a video player, and 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 then when one part of it breaks, you know, I don't know. Like you're the engineer. It just to me, it sounds like that's a kind of thing where there's increased risk for failure. Uh, when when it's doing so many things all in one device, as opposed to having a fridge and a crock pot, if your crock pot dies, you just throw it out. You know the
2: fridge is still fine. Um, yeah, that's uh, goes back to engineering one hundred and one. If the simpler you can make it to get the function done, your chance of it being more reliable is much higher. Just by the definition of there's less moving parts. Mm-hmm. I'm one of those weirdos that if our washer and dryer ever break. I try to find old used ones where you can actually swap out components and stuff. I'm like, it's a washer. It works good enough. I don't need it to talk to my phone for another 800 to to $1,000. And then if the new one breaks, they literally at this point are almost disposable. You just throw the whole thing out, which seems crazy. It does. It does.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Maybe people who don't want to learn about nutrition, they just have everything uber conveniently just... Prepackaged stuff, you throw it in the device and all your meals are made by a robot kind of thing. I think that's kind of where they're going with this
2: really, you know? Um. Yeah, I agree. That the concept is great. I mean, if you, if you told me and said, okay, you've got a new client, it's a busy person. You don't know much about them. You have the option of six months. You're working with them. You can do the first three months where you're trying to teach them how to make all their own meals and everything else. Or, you could have a meal prep service just randomly show up to their door with everything pre-made. I would definitely do the latter, especially to get them to start. Cause I know they're going to get a lot better result from it. Yeah. I don't think that's a permanent solution. I think you do need to learn some stuff at some point, but uh, a lot of times, you know, Lonnie, and I'm sure you've seen this too, Phil, that that's a big rate limiter. If I can just overcome that and just focus on them eating the food that simplifies a lot of stuff to start, and then they start getting results, and then they kind of trust you, and then you can kind of build from there. Yeah.
0: It's one of the things that template diet plans, what I don't like about them is there's, there's no questioning. Like, when you sit down and you do nutrition counseling with someone, you have to get some idea about their readiness to change, right? We've talked about this before, oh, yeah. of course. Or, you know, their, their competence in the kitchen with skills. It to be the same thing as exercise. Well, Mister, just, you know, go prepare these meals and go, go through this workout. Well, what if the guy's got no kitchen skills? He doesn't even know how many tablespoons are in a quarter cup or something like that, you know. Or he walks into the gym and he's just intimidated by bleeping, blinking sensors on cardio equipment. He's like, I have no idea. And so you're giving him, he's not ready. Right? <laughs> At least this, like you said, it's almost like that bridge over troubled water while they can learn stuff at least they've got got a crutch they can hobble along and start making some some progress I guess
2: Yeah, so. I've been shocked I've been in a few buddies houses and I'm like you seriously don't I look in the fridge I'm like there's like two things of beer I'm like what are you and then you go in their cupboards they have one buddy of mine he remained nameless um, <laughs> I'm like you seriously you don't even have anything to cook anything you don't even have a plate he's like oh no I never cook really <laughs> and he was serious he had wow nothing <laughs> wow nothing. <laughs>
0: yeah it's easy to take it for granted my whole family cooks well you yeah. know but yeah if you don't have those skills i don't know um okay well i'll tell you what we're just about on the half an hour point i did want to do a, a, a michelle reminded me uh to let people know about the the taste test video that we put on youtube We got some positive feedback on that already. Obviously, it's our first foray uh, into actual YouTube videos. I mean, we put audio up there, which sounds kind of funny, but we kind of need it. YouTube is our backup, right, for the audio podcast. But, yeah, we're going to have monthly videos. So we're doing a taste test this time. Uh, Phil and myself and Mike and and Michelle Blakely all on there. The first one that's up right now is on uh, protein donuts, you know, are, are they similar to real donuts? Do they taste good? Are they weird? Um, I think Phil's going to be our, our, resident critic on a lot of these things. <laughs> um, and then, uh, n- next month we're actually going to do like these keto pop tarts, uh, in July. So you, you might want to uh, look out for that. Um, m- my guess is they're going to, they might rate more poorly than the protein donuts. <laughs> actually, um, but you know we'll find out so anyway yeah go please listeners if you want check out youtube for some videos now we're doing these these iron radio reviews uh taste tests maybe down the road even some kind of little review of a, of a device of some kind or another but you know, let's go to break and when we come back we're gonna do the highlander episode if you could choose only one how to become a bodybuilder in a sense
1: Hello you know, dear ladies and gentlemen, yeah, yeah, you know who this is. Uh, so I'm here to tell you about uh, Dr. Mike T. Nelson's uh, new book, uh, Why You Should Eat Keto. I don't do it because, I mean, look at me. Come on, I'm fabulous and I'm fantastic. Anyway, you should text uh, Keto eBook all in one word to 44222 to receive your free copy. Do it. Do it now.
0: All right, folks, we're back. It's Phil and Mike and Lonnie, and we are talking about our single best choice uh, for a food product, an exercise, and a lifestyle tweak uh, that might help someone, let's say, in the next six months look more like a bodybuilder. And again, there's so many caveats here. I get it, right? I get it. In fact, let's start with the exercise one. First, Phil, since you're the best at the programming stuff, certainly better than I am. Um, if you had to choose an exercise to help make someone look like a bodybuilder, what would that be?
1: That's so hard to pick one. Um, I'm going to go with – I'm going to go off the ball here and something mm-hmm. that most people actually normally don't use for bodybuilding, Then it's only because I have to pick one. Um, clean and jerk. Yes. Mm. I, <laughs> I thought that too, man. Yep. That's the only one I can think that we can get close to working everything. So, yeah. I mean, if I had to pick a like a powerlifting exercise, the only reason I go with a deadlift, and just because we always talk about it, what separates a good bodybuilder from a great bodybuilder is a big back. Back. Yep. It's going to help you get a big back. Yes. So.
0: But. Yeah. Uh, that's similar to what I'm thinking um, yes. too, actually. But I'll let Mike go next. So, Mike, if you had to pick one – and and Phil's got a good point. If you had to only pick one, you're trying to think automatically, like, which of these is most whole body, right? So well, yeah. you don't end up with just huge quads and no, no arms or something like that. Oh. So what do you think, Mike?
2: Yeah, and especially without knowing what their weak points are too, but – not knowing anything else and all the other caveats you could go down, I would go deadlift. Um, yeah, I go deadlift.
0: Yeah, deadlift and um, like a clean and press type thing. That that was also high on my list. Yeah. I'm going to go off the beaten path, and I'm trying to think behaviorally here. You know, we were just talking about like competence and readiness and everything. I I'm so biased, but I think I would say, you know what? If this is going to be for like the next half a year, squat. Um, and the reason I say that is because I mean, I know that's not going to do a lot for your arms and, you know, um, necessarily, especially your arms, probably, but I think it's going to build such a foundation. And it's hard, like if, the, if somebody can, you know, build up his or her legs in the next six months, um, are they going to look like a bodybuilder up top at the end of that time? No, but it is sort of a whole body movement. It's certainly not as whole body and back oriented, probably like upper back as like a deadlift. But uh, I think just, you know, it's going to teach them not to skip leg day, bro. You know, right, (laughs) right, right out of the gate. Yeah, right out of the gate. And if they can do that, I think they could do almost anything else. Um, What's that back squat or would you use a specialty bar? I knew you were going to say that, Mike. <laughs> I think I probably just back squat. Um, yeah. Just a barbell and a back squat. I think you're actually going to get get pretty far uh, doing that kind of stuff, both psychologically and physically. Sure. Let's face it. I mean, you know, how many people with big squats do you know that they have really thin and meek upper bodies? They just don't. Yeah, they you don't. know. Yeah. Um, now I know there's a. I think was it Brad Schoenfeld? Somebody did some work on. Do leg does leg work really build your arms and your upper body? They actually tried to do a study like that, and they were saying no, it really doesn't, like you might think. Uh, I'd have to go dig around for that. Maybe somebody can find that for us. But nonetheless, right? Yeah, you just don't see frail people with big squats. You just don't. So, um, I guess I'm willing to set aside big guns. Right. It, it, to set a foundation for somebody, I suppose. So, um, yeah, I also, I was trying to go through the list, right? I'm thinking weighted dips. I mean, there's quite a few yeah, things uh, that would
2: be attractive yeah. here. Um, Clean and press is a good one, obviously. It too. is.
0: Yeah. And deadlifts are really good. Yeah. So,
2: something's
1: going to lack. You know, there isn't yeah. just a. Right. Because no, we could go with something like a thruster, but then you're limited by. Weight. You know, how much you, Yeah, I mean you're just really limited by weight. <laughs> so.
0: Exactly. And you know what? Like foods, like you can't we're trying not to loophole this either. Like maybe there's a piece weird piece of equipment that if you loaded the full stack on it, weight stack, um, you could somehow involve every part of your body. But that's not really what we're trying to talk about here. Yeah. So yeah. you're right. I mean, who's gonna program with one exercise? But then again, we're coming out of lockdown finally things are opening up and if people are still lifting at home maybe they don't have many options yeah so next on the list then is food items so same thing like it's kind of cheating to say a casserole with 99 different foods in it right so we're not talking about that <laughs> um but phil if what about a food To help someone grow. So when I say look like a bodybuilder at the end of six months, I guess I mostly mean hypertrophy, you know,
1: but. I'm going to go with authentic tacos. Oh, okay. Because you got like a corn tortilla, you got a meat. Usually there's some kind of vegetables in there, some cilantro and onions and things like that. And then our our rate limiter will be like, if you need to gain, we're going to give you lots of tacos. Okay, (laughs) just more. We're going to, yeah. Yeah, that's one of those easy ones. Basically, you know, you got, the, you got the tortilla that is the vehicle for your protein, and then you've got mm-hmm. your protein and fats and a couple of vegetables in there. Mm-hmm. So,
0: that's not bad. Yeah, there's some variety there, proteins, carbs, fairly, fats.
1: I mean, if you go get real tacos, I'm not talking Taco Bell, <laughs> it's quality food. You know, it's usually fairly lean, tough pieces of meat that have been cooked to not be so bad. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> You know, some vegetables in like tortilla. You know, it's not really that bad. You know? Right. So,
0: Yeah, I think a gold nugget in what you're saying, and I know you've said this for years, is carbs are the vehicle to get all this other stuff to your mouth. Whether it's a, a tortilla, like a wrap, or a taco, or, you know, whatever, pizza. a pizza. Yeah. 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 Built-in built in variety there. Um, what about you, Mike? I know it's impossible, but um, a food item that's going to help someone move toward looking like a bodybuilder
2: yeah i kind of went similar to phil i went the chipotle route oh because you can Uh get it's convenient uh, assuming you have money Uh, a lot of times now you can just get it delivered so depending on how many calories you want to expend you may not even have to walk there Uh, you can (laughs) easily adjust the amount of white rice or you can get it in a bowl or a burrito Um, you could get double meat or triple meat and yeah, mix it up, a few vegetables, a little bit more fat, depending on how much cheese you put on it. So, yeah. There you go.
0: Yeah, um, I think somebody who ate two, like, double chicken chipotle burritos every day, um, every meal, that's a lot, man. That's yeah. a lot of growth. Oh,
2: that's a lot. That's
0: a lot of <laughs> growth. And like you said, yeah, throw in the rice. Like, these days, I'm old. I Sometimes I say hold the rice. Both beans hold the rice. But if I was going to grow, yeah, bring the carbs, you know. Yeah. Um, I guess my own formulation for the food item, I was thinking very specific, almost ingredient level. And I was thinking whole milk, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, so I I know I was saying, uh, don't have too many caveats, but if somebody came to me and they, especially if they were thin, you know, and I'm going to have them squatting for the next six months and just getting heavier and heavier, doing like five sets of five in the squat or four sets of eight in the squat, um, Yeah, the whole milk, sort of to Phil's point, I was thinking there's protein, carbs, and fats in there, plenty of calories. I mean, God, a little eight ounce cup of whole milk. In fact, I might even cheat a little and go chocolate milk, right? (laughs) Now there's even more calories in it. Yeah. Um, But, you know, you're talking about like half the grams of fat of a candy bar in a little cup of whole milk. I mean, there's eight grams of fat. And a little cup of milk. So it's almost like I guess what I'm putting forward now that I'm thinking about is it, almost like the go mad diet, isn't it? Like yeah. Yeah, ch- chug whole milk and squat a lot. Um, that probably, you know, is it healthy? No, there's no variety in it, but it yeah. would probably help you gain some weight, especially if you later layered it on top of something realistic.
2: Um, as long as you don't have any lactose issues.
0: That's right. Yeah. I mean, there's all these caveats. Yeah, for sure. I I mean, if somebody came to me and and said, I really want to look more like a bodybuilder. And if I was going to stick to my, you know, four sets of eight in the squat or whatever, um, meaning more or less to failure, almost to failure. uh, But I would probably instead of whole milk. I don't think I would just drop the skim milk because, you know, that's not necessarily going to help. Milk is so insulinogenic, you know, and all that kind of stuff and very high quality proteins. But I think I might switch to good old bodybuilder food, chicken breast. Like I want you to have two chicken breasts uh, repeatedly throughout the day. And again, this is all not direct advice to everybody, except that, again, you can add what we're suggesting on, include it in your existing routine because you're obviously not going to choose one movement or one food. But. Yeah, I mean, if someone was a little on the um, fluffy side, yeah, I might do the chicken breast instead.
1: Milk might be in a world of its own there as a single ingredient food item that is like has a good mix of carbs, fat and proteins. I can't think of another one right off the top of
2: my head. Yeah, the closest I came to was uh, those whole eggs, but obviously you don't don't have many carbs in there.
1: Yeah, but there's no carbs there. Exactly, yeah. But yeah, I mean, that's a tough one.
0: It is. I, yeah, because when I was thinking this morning, and it's worth it to be transparent with everybody. Like I drop these topics on Mike and Phil like <laughs> ten minutes before we record, or sometimes as yeah. as they call me. So. <laughs> yeah. uh, I know I thought that too because I thought, what about like f- what about full fat beef? That'd be good growth food, but there's no carbs. Yeah. Um, but there again, there'd be tons of you know good protein and lots of calories and stuff. But yeah on the on the protein quality scale. Like we were talking about earlier this morning before we hit record, nothing's going to touch like way you know. Casein's yeah. also rocking high quality. Yeah. Um, I had a student recently watch a documentary. I don't remember which one it was that basically casein was carcinogenic and in this and that. And but in a lot of those studies, they took rat and first they they essentially poisoned them with a carcinogen. I think they use like mm. aflatoxin, and then. Then they said, oh, look, the casein made the, the tumors grow more than plant proteins. And I'm like, that's because casein is a complete protein, and it's going to make anything grow, <laughs> right? Yeah. You've already initiated the cancer. So yeah. th- there's some – I'm not saying casein is completely off the hook when it comes to possible prostate cancer risk and stuff. But um, and from a sports nutrition perspective, somebody says, listen, I'm 30 years old. I want to look bigger like a bodybuilder i'm not going to shy away from milk man you know so
1: anyway. we had him camp at chernobyl with nothing but milk and the milk made him have cancer
0: <laughs> right
1: well yeah essentially what you're yeah if you if you're already you're
0: already, you're already you know uh all this t- tumor mass it, it, yeah so you're going to choose something that is really great for growth well and the plant proteins didn't do it because they're not as good for growth of healthy tissues either. Anyway, uh, and again, uh, people who are vegan, listen—you you can eat a wide variety of proteins, but Mike makes the point usually: you better eat a lot of them. You know, yeah. Uh, yeah. both both a lot and a wide variety because plant proteins are—they're just not as good. I mean, I'm sorry if that offends anybody. Like, if you're a vegan, but you got you it better better to embrace what's real. And address it by eating a wide variety. Have your beans and grains, you know, your, your peas and the rice and the, all this stuff in very large amounts because it just doesn't have the essential amino acid profile. Um, and that brings us to our third point, Phil, uh, lifestyle tweak. Uh, and there's lots of other things that wouldn't be, you know, gym time or, or dinner table. But what would you suggest as your tip? To look a little more
1: Sleep Sleep I'm going to go with sleep Yep Most mm-hmm. people just don't get enough
0: um, so. Let me press you on that Because I mean Not everybody can flip the switch And just sleep um, What What might you do To help them
1: Sleep more Oh boy You know um, Well I mean It depends on the situation again mm-hmm. I mean, If it's somebody like myself Who was Was fighting sleep apnea And didn't Anything about it, getting a CPAP is going to greatly help you sleep. Okay. So um, mm-hmm. maybe some relaxation techniques or something. One thing we've been doing recently is turning on uh, how we downloaded some bedtime talking book thing. And it's just <laughs> these like calm books. But, or is that what I figured out is if I listen to a book I've already read. I crash out right away. Oh because I just don't pay attention to it too much. If I already know it, it's like, Oh yeah, I remember this book <laughs> <laughs> There <laughs> you, know, you go. Where if okay. it's something I don't know, even if it's one of those ones that are meant for bed, it's like I'm listening to this thing. Like, oh, the antelopes running through the woods and you know I'm sitting here listening to this thing. Right. Instead of okay. actually just relaxing and going to sleep. But so I turn on something I already know and I'm out, man. Yeah. But Okay.
0: Yeah, and it's probably good advice that it's something more audio I don't think we would want bright blue computer screen in your face, no. you know, yeah, no. interfering and whatnot. But <clears throat> I think we're all huge fans of sleep. Like, it's really hard to grow without that. Um, yep. Mike, you th- you probably think about this kind of sleep ritual stuff all the time. But a- 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 am I fair? Is it fair to say that you're probably going to say something with sleep, too?
2: Yep. Yeah, I had written sleep down and same to Phil, I can send him if you want, so I'll read a copy of my dissertation to him if he needs some variety to put <laughs> out at night. <laughs> um, yeah, we actually even did a, a sleep book, my wife wrote it primarily, called Mr. Mole Goes to Sleep, talking about little uh, rituals people can do before bed and a little story that's actually a children's book, but we did it as a sneaky way to get uh, adults to actually sleep more, because they'd probably read the book to their kids and be like, oh wow, maybe I should be doing some of this.
0: (laughs) Yeah. yeah. That makes sense.
2: So yeah, same things like less blue. I do have some of the goofy orange glasses and red light at night and trying to wind down early, making sure your bedroom is dark and cool and all the standard sleep hygiene stuff helps.
0: Right. Yeah. The older I get, um, the, the less satisfying my sleep gets. And I remember, um, in 2019 last summer when we actually could go to conferences
1: (laughs) There yeah. was some
0: great information at the ISSN conference about that. She's like, once you're in your 40s, you just don't get that, you know, almost youthful, deep, rejuvenating sleep anymore. And I'm like, oh, that's depressing, you know. <laughs> um, but having said that, I was thinking a little bit more on the like the biochemical side with melatonin. Um, you know, let's face it. It's a over-the-counter legal hormone that you can use. I know there are people talk about cycle, cycling it on and off, like t- trying to take a two week break every now and again. I don't know if that's because you're you're trying not to suppress endogenous production or something like that. But as I get older, especially, I think about melatonin. Um, I can only take about one and a half to three milligrams. I know that sounds very wimpy. Uh, my wife was saying that she's worked with some physicians before in uh, mental health settings, and they would prescribe up to thirty milligrams. Um, mm. to knock people out, and, and I'm like, wow. Um, like, I don't know if I could get up the next morning if I did something mm-hmm. like that, but um, melatonin would be one thing, uh, yeah, personally, that I do. I, I try to read a book. Like, I was reading a book about Gandhi's life last night, and it wasn't even Gandhi's autobiography. It was another guy who knew him, and it, it's, it's dry enough that I'm like... <laughs> I'm tired now, you know, but there's no computer screen involved and and all that kind of stuff. And I've actually listened both to go to sleep and to wake up, Phil. Like um, I'll look around, poke around on YouTube for like binaural beats or something, something that's supposed to help me wake up or go to sleep. I'm not sure I completely buy into that, but, you know, it doesn't hurt. Um, But at least these are practical tips on how to knock yourself out for ideally eight or nine hours and just grow. You
2: know yeah and I also I have even I go a little bit nutty with this stuff so I have a device called the Uler or chili pad where you can set it's a mattress that runs just on underneath your bed sheet and it runs temperature controlled water through it so you can actually get the bottom portion of the bed cooler in addition to the air temperature um, so I really like that it's kind of expensive but it's super nice and the new one has this feature where you can change the temperature and have it warm up towards the morning oh you can hmm. make it warmer right around the time that you get up and cooler when you're trying to sleep at night which is kind of nice that's cool only complaint with it is if if you're someone who is pretty warm body temperature i actually tried to turn it down so low because they're like well how low would you put it i'm like well could i turn it down low enough so i wake up shivering and then just back off (laughs) <laughs> from that temperature. Yeah. But I could never get it quite that low. But it does help a lot actually.
0: You know what? I I actually got to the point where I cannot sleep without a fan in my face. And that's not always popular oh, yeah. with Kelly, but um it's because it's cool and it, you know, it's a lot of co- circulating air, it's cool, but I suppose the downside to that is what you just said is then I'm sort of snuggled in and I got some cool air blowing all over me in the morning and I want to stay <laughs> under the covers. Yeah. You know. But you know, it, it's sort of that. Like people say, that's irrational. Why do you cover up? You got a fan on you, and you're just covered up against it. I'm like, I, I don't know. It, the I white noise papers. and and the circulating yeah. air and the coolness, it just put helps put me down. I don't know. I agree. Okay. Yeah. Well, well, there it is, everybody. Just uh, some thoughts for you. If you had to pick just one, right? There can be only one. That's why I was joking about the Highlander <laughs> thing. So those of you who get the reference. Um, Something you might add, or might at least consider adding to your routine—you know, no nonsense foods, um, exercise movements, and even lifestyle tweak. And I think it's interesting that we were all unanimous on the sleep thing. It's just a matter of what part of the sleep hygiene, what part of the ritual do you do you target, really? Because sleep is hard to hard to deny.
1: Okay. Yeah, everybody have a good day.
2: Take care. Awesome. See ya. See ya.